Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. On this week's Story Saturday, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had recently with a musician whose music I've loved for a very long time. Hey, my name's Christopher Williams, and I'm an independent singer-songwriter in Nashville, Tennessee. I have always been a singer. I was a singer as long as I can remember when I was a kid. Uh, singing in the church choir was where I first started. And then I learned how to play cello. Cello was my first instrument. And then junior year of high school, picked up the guitar, and then I promptly dropped the cello as I realized that the guitar was a lot cooler than the cello. <laughs> <laughs> and so I uh, started playing guitar and went to college and got my heart broken and started writing songs. And then through the course of my time in college, was grateful to have parents that were supportive of my college experience, not just being about education. And so I got to stretch my legs and write songs and start a coffee house and invite professional musicians to come in. And by the end of my college career, felt like, I want to try doing this for a living. And so I moved out to Seattle and uh, because it was right after the grunge movement and that was a really far away place to go and singles had just come out and it was awesome city it looked like. So I moved out to Seattle and then uh, a year after college just took the leap and made my first recording in 1994 and then have been doing it ever since as my job, which is amazing. Since then, Christopher has released 11 more albums. His 12th album came out a little over a year ago. And I would say that it looks nothing like I thought it would. Uh, but we could probably all say that about our lives right now. <laughs> the first time I saw Christopher play more than a decade ago, he was living in Boston. He was playing a show at Club Passim, one of Boston's wonderful, intimate folk venues. But his career has changed a lot since that show. I feel like there's two different kind of seasons of my career. The first 10 years were really spent chasing the singer-songwriter kind of independent folk club, listening room movement. Uh, I was in Seattle for four, and then I went to Boston for eight. When I left Seattle after four years of being there and three years of playing music as a job, I felt like I was getting pigeonholed into one niche with a specific sort of Christian community. And I felt like I didn't want that to be the niche that I was associated with. So I moved to Boston to kind of chase the folk movement. While Christopher was trying to avoid being pigeonholed as a Christian musician, I was trying to avoid being pigeonholed as a Christian writer. I adore Marilyn Robinson and Anne Lamott, but most of the writers I loved and admired didn't believe in God. I thought if I let my faith find its way into my writing, people in the literary world would write me off, not take me seriously. It's only been recently that my perspective on this has shifted. For Christopher, that reckoning came when he moved down to Nashville. And then after that, moved to Nashville. And when I moved down here, just kind of got to the point of being over with the drama of the folk movement, I guess. Really felt uh, the need to just want to play regardless of where it was, like whatever the venue was. I just wanted to play the 
people that respected it and wanted to listen, and I didn't feel like I needed to prove myself as a musician. So I started doing a lot more house concerts and churches and coffee houses and basically anything. I wasn't very particular about it. I just wanted to play in places that I could make a living and be supported and not kind of chase this golden ring, uh, if you will, of, of wanting to become something in particular. I just wanted to make good art and good music and play it for people that would enjoy it and appreciate it. I also had a chance to tour shortly after moving to Nashville with a band called Jars of Clay, who were not as big at that point as they were when their first album came out around the same time my career started, but they gave me an opportunity to tour with them, and it looked really different and kind of opened the door. They opened the door for me to just think differently about who I was playing for and why I was playing. I know the band he's talking about. Jars of Clay was huge among church-going kids like me when I was in high school and college. A song of theirs was one of the first songs I learned to play on the guitar. I listened to their album on repeat for at least a year. They kind of were doing these songs, but playing clubs, but also playing churches, and there was not a, like, a distinction between the two, and I really felt like I can play the songs that I would play in a folk club in front of a church audience and there's no difference at all. It, it felt like if people are there to enjoy and embrace music and uh, step into what you're doing, it opened the door, opened my eyes to like, I can play anywhere. Christopher was a decade into his music career by that point. He'd been making a living as a musician for that entire time and he knew what he was doing. But still, it takes courage to opt out of the traditional way of doing things. Sometimes it means that your life ends up looking a lot different than you thought it would. If, I, if I'm being honest and vulnerable and genuine in the songs that I'm playing and what I'm, what I'm doing with my art on stage, it doesn't really matter where it is. And actually, when I look back on my career and the reason that I left Seattle uh, because I didn't want to be pigeonholed, I'm actually in the exact same spot I would have been if I had stayed there. There was this community, this organization that my wife works for called Young Life and their youth ministry, and a lot of my audience was based on that. And I was like, I don't really want that to be, and now that's a lot of my audience. <laughs> I just took a little circuitous 20-year route to get back to this. I feel like in a little ways it's God's sense of humor I would not be able to have a music career without this community now. I feel more impassioned about what I'm doing. I feel like I have a purpose in what I'm doing. And not that I didn't in the first 10 years, but just feel like you gauge and create differently for different reasons. And in my early part of my career, I was doing it probably more for myself, and now I'm doing it more for others. This struck me so much, this idea of doing your art for others more than for yourself. As a writer, you hear over and over again that you can't think about your readers. You have to do the work for yourself. You have to create the thing that you feel called to create and worry about the readers later. I still ascribe to that philosophy. Anytime I've tried to pander to an audience, it comes out false. But Christopher is talking about something different. He's talking about creating the music he feels called to create, no matter what the inspiration might be. He's talking about not limiting himself by getting caught up in whether or not his music will be categorized as Christian or secular. When I think about where we are as a culture now, I think we're more divisive than we've ever been. 
And so the way that the algorithms work, we get fed what we listen and read. And so as a Christian artist, I fought against that in the beginning of my career, even though every song I wrote, when I wrote him, and, and I didn't want to get pigeonholed in that. And I actually, my whole career, I feel like I've wrestled year two Christian for the folk audience, which is ridiculous. Uh, and then you're not Christian enough for the Christian audience. So I've sort of like this middle ground. I've, I've kind of straddled both worlds. And early in my career, I worried about that a lot. And now I really don't care. Like, I just want to write good songs that will affect people, that will challenge them, encourage them in whatever capacity they need that. But I wrestled very much with when I lived in Seattle, like, I don't want to be a Christian artist. I want to be a songwriter. And so I moved to Boston and I fought that there. And in some respects, lived a life that was probably not very representative of my belief system. And then as I've gotten older and gotten married and realized how selfish I was and had a child and realized how really selfish I was, all of the art has kind of shifted and, and been affected by that. And so I'm just a little bit more loose with, I just want to write songs. In recent years, this has meant that Christopher's work is more explicitly focused on his faith than he ever could have imagined. The last record that I put out was actually a commissioned piece, a commissioned album of 12 songs by a author friend of mine who is a theologian, pastor, speaker, just all around amazing guru of a guy. And the whole collection of songs was based on the Old Testament book of Joel. Yeah, you can swing that pendulum any further from my first album to my 12th album. <laughs> But just writing out of scripture, which I, I've done a little bit of, but I spent nine months in a book of the Bible that is 76 verses long and was so inspired by it and challenged by it and love this collection of songs just because I think it hits on the heart of our culture not being very good at lamenting and grieving and feel like there's just there's so much that we need to learn about community. And, I, and I'm, I'm really hoping that and I'm sure that you are as well, that when this whole stay-at-home thing is done, we will look at each other differently. We'll feel differently about each other. We'll, we'll reach out in a different way. We'll care for one another in a different way, even though everything in our culture and our politics and our media just pushes right back up against it. I hope that we can, be, we can rise above that. But there are some days where I don't think that's going to be possible. But it really has to do with what you feed yourself with drives whether you're going to be cynical or whether you're going to be hopeful. And if you read the news all day long, you're going to be cynical and you're going to think this, holy cow, I'm done. I'm done on this planet. Like I just, I'm done. But if you spend time with community and friends and in the word and poetry and good art and music, then you're going to have a totally different view on things. So I guess my hope as an artist is just, I want to create art that people will come back to that will drive them towards the hopeful as opposed to the cynical. I asked Christopher to play a song from the album he wrote that was inspired by the book of Joel. So this is a song called I Cannot Know You, and it comes from my last album called uh, We Will Remember, songs inspired by the book of Joel. And, and it's a collection of songs that a friend of mine commissioned me to write for his book. Uh, and he asked me to follow the arc of his book and also the arc of the narrative of, of the Old Testament book of Joel, which I had never spent any time in. But the basic 
synopsis of the stories. It's very Old Testament. Is in the, the first couple verses, four plagues of locusts come, and they wipe everything out. And there's no food. There's no water. The temple's been destroyed. The cattle are moaning. And this beautiful description of clouds, black clouds of locusts coming over like the fangs of a lioness uh, over the mountainside. And, and it's this beautiful picture, except that's what is left of uh, the people in this story um, is nothing. There's nothing left. And so uh, I wrote 12 songs following that narrative. And, and this is song number four out of 12 when we're getting to the end of, of that time. And, and, uh, and I imagined, I wrote the song with my friend Rob, and we imagined uh, <laughs> unbelievably fitting uh, if locusts came or if lots of lost came and we were isolated inside our homes, uh, what it would look like to come back out into the neighborhood uh, after all of this had happened. And you may not come from uh, a Christian background, but I think that we as a people all long for and love a good story, uh, and especially in a good story, uh, restoration. And that's what the book of Joel is all about. So this is a song called I Cannot Know You. Stop and listen, hear the whisper, rest and wait for love to guide. To look forward, we must look behind. I cannot know you, I cannot know all of you, I cannot know you. Oh God, by myself So come and help me set the table God prepared this holy ground But in our desolation hope is found When we gather in God's presence, living out love's mystery, here we find our true identity. I cannot know you, I cannot know all of you, I cannot know you. Oh God, by myself I cannot know you I cannot know 
more of my conversation with Christopher right after this short break. Shelter in Place is sponsored by Brick and Mortar and Delta Wines. I am so grateful to be sponsored by a small local business that isn't just committed to making great wines, but to making this world a better place. Get 10% off your order when you use the promo code SHELTER at brickandmortarwines.com or winesforchange.com. When you buy wine, you support this show and also other businesses that are working toward more sustainable living. There's a song on one of Christopher's early albums called Empty My Hands. My family and I were listening to that album the first week of this quarantine. It's what prompted me to reach out to Christopher. He wrote it such a long time ago that he no longer remembers how to play it. But it's a song that captures what I've been feeling during this quarantine, when so many of the things we carried before have been taken away. I'll put a link to it in my show notes so you can hear it too. I was 29 when I wrote that song, and I really had no clue what I was talking about. <laughs> like, empty my hands. I didn't even really have that much in my hands at that point, other than, <laughs> other than my pride and my envy and my greed and my, you know, and my desires to sell out rooms full of folky people. And I had lost love, and I had, you know, I had all those things. But now, yeah, the stakes are a lot higher when you, when you really have to come up face-to-face with emptying your hands. Like, oh, gosh, okay, I have a child, I have a marriage, I have three mortgages. I, yeah, it's like, all right. It's, it's really a testing of, of one's faith, I think, the older you get. And not to say that in my 20s I was completely, you know, had nothing to empty myself of, but just, it's a different deal. And and honestly, I wouldn't trade where I am now for anything. This time has been one of emptying the hands of most musicians. And Christopher is no exception. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you in terms of you and your husband's loss of income, like everything. I just found out about another gig that canceled for the summer. So I I kind of have my hands open to not playing another show live until like September, which is just bizarre. This is the longest I've ever been home in my adult life. It's the most time I've ever spent with my wife other than the first year of marriage, which we're celebrating 16. And music business-wise, I don't really know what the future holds. I, I really, I have no idea. With the way people consume their music and media, it, it has gotten harder and harder and even more harder in this quarantine time to make an actual living because people don't purchase art anymore. They just stream it and pay a couple pennies. And that's what I get. And so I really don't know what is next. And I'm kind of hoping that this quarantine is a enlightenment for me of what happens next. When I was reached out to you by you and to hear your story of like, you're taking on a completely new adventure, it was inspiring for me to think, okay, maybe there's something else that is coming around the corner that I have no idea. Like, I have no idea what it is. That emptying has pushed Christopher to shift the way he approaches his music once again. His music is looking very different now than it was before this quarantine. My career doesn't look anything like I thought it would. I've grown a tremendous heart to lead others in song for the church, which has been really neat, both in writing songs like the Joel album that I mentioned, but also just leading people in, in music on Sundays and outside of Sundays. And that I've grown a love and, and a kind of a new talent for a friend of mine challenged me in the beginning of this quarantine to pray Psalm 91 for 91 days. And he felt like it was going to be very important as a part of that to have worship, singing songs for the church be an important part of that. And so today is day 75 out of 91 where we've worshiped every single day <laughs> and live streamed it. So that like, yeah, never thought that would have been happening, that every day at noon I would be throwing a set of hymns and contemporary songs together. And then on Wednesdays, I'll be doing a full hour of music, of liturgy and scripture and, and songs for whoever tunes in from around the world. And the beauty of it, which you could attest to, is the rhythm of your day has shifted because your priorities have shifted because you lost other things. And for me, the same thing. My priorities have shifted. I have a different creative outlet because traveling is not happening and concerts in front of live people is not happening. So I have to shift what I'm prioritizing and what I'm creating. And it's, I'm not writing songs as much as I would like to, but I'm creating content every day, which I wouldn't have done three months ago. I wouldn't have imagined that I would be doing this. So it's been a gift. It really has been an amazing gift for my whole family to stop in the middle of our day, whatever we're doing, and we go into the living room or whatever room I've chosen, and we sit and we sing together, and then we eat lunch, and we can carry on with our day. It's been a sweet season for us just to be home. Like I said, the longest time that we've been together as a family and the most time I've been home because I make my living traveling. I, if I don't travel, I don't make a living. So that's part of the challenge of this time. I've been hearing for years about how tough the music industry has become for musicians, how nearly impossible it is to make a living off of their art. But even so, there's a lot I didn't understand about it. So I asked Christopher to walk me through the changes that have happened in the 25 years that he's been making music. When I first started playing, 
and I released a compact disc in 1994, that was a really big deal. And so when I started my career, I made most of my money off of merch, uh, selling CDs. And then as our culture has kind of shifted and as streaming has happened, as computers have lost their disc drives, as cars have lost their CD players, the way of the compact disc has gone. And so that place where I used to make most of my income has been dwindled down to streaming, which the ease of getting music has trumped the knowledge of what it actually does to independent artists. So Spotify, all those things are great for, for convenience factor. And they're great for people who have millions and millions of downloads. But if you have 10,000 downloads, you literally just get pennies per play. And so I laugh every time I get a check every two months for like 80 bucks, <laughs> which before would have been, you know, I sell a CD for 15 bucks and I get 14 of it. And now if someone buys a song on iTunes, I get 62 cents. And I don't think people fully understand that. As like I said, we trade knowledge for convenience. And I think that uh, the knowledge will come later when artists, perhaps like myself, end up getting a job doing something else because we couldn't support ourselves. So yeah, it is a certainly a challenging time. And then add in now the fact that, like I said, if I don't leave home, I don't really make money. So if I can't leave home, then I'm not really making money. But God's been really gracious in providing in creative ways like video content. And a couple churches have hired me to create videos for them of songs. And I've been doing live stream concerts, like private Zoom concerts for folks, which is totally insane, but awesome that I can sit in my living room and drink a glass of wine and play music for two and a half hours with strangers all over the world. I really do think the live stream thing is going to run its course soon. People are going to get pretty tired of it because it feels like everybody is doing it. And then I don't know what will happen after that. Nate and I decided a long time ago that whenever possible, we were going to budget so that we could at least occasionally go to concerts to support the musicians we loved. We've stayed true to that and over the years have seen some of our favorite musicians live. There's something magical about sharing the same room with someone who's created songs that you listen to over and over again, or songs you've never heard but immediately love. It's not a given that every concert will be that way, but you can tell when a musician is opening themselves up to you, when each song is a gift where you get to see the artistry unfold. But of course now, concerts have been indefinitely put on hold. The world that was already challenging for musicians has become nearly impossible. I asked Christopher if he could imagine a scenario where we could go back to paying artists what their music is worth, valuing them enough to make sure that they can survive. And he said no, that he doesn't think we'll be able to move away from convenience as second nature. I really don't see how it's going to turn. I do feel like, and maybe it's this time of quarantine or staying at home, that perhaps the pendulum on technology will swing the opposite direction and people will put down their phones more. And for that, I am hopeful that people are going to be craving face-to-face -face conversation, interaction, actual relationships face-to-face, -face, and hopefully our technology will lose some of its grip. That, that's my hope, at least. But I don't think it'll change the way we, the way we listen to music, unfortunately. Other than, than maybe the live concert will, will become something that's even more important. 
that connection. And I'm grateful that I don't play a ton of large venues. So if it all goes to pot and nobody can ever gather again over 50 people, I feel great about that. A long time ago, I sort of adapted that. Like, I don't care who's in the room. If they're there and they're loving it, I trust that I'll get taken care of financially. You know, what I've done more of in probably the last six, seven, eight years is house concerts. Man, to roll into somebody's living room and just open my guitar and play for a couple hours and drink wine and hang out with people and have conversations. I love it. Christopher has had to evolve as a musician many times over during his career. I asked him if his definition of success has changed in that time. To be able to say that I've played music for my living, for my livelihood, for my job for 25 years is, is, is mind-boggling to me, but to me, that's the definition of success. Like, I have a lot of friends who had a lot of success, and they don't play music anymore. One guy doesn't even touch his guitar. He, like, cold turkey stopped and to me, that, that just makes my heart break to think you lost this love, this passion that you had. And, and so for me, I, I kind of prayed a long time ago when I, when I decided to play music I, that, that if I'm not supposed to do this, God, would you make it evidently like crystal clear when it's time to be done? And there have been moments where I've bumped up against that, and, and then he's responded with, with something. So success for me now is just, I want to be able to continue making a living at it. And more importantly, creating good art, like just songs that move people, um, that make them think about things differently, that encourage, that challenge, uh, that entertain more, more than entertain. I just want, I want to affect people in their core, in their heart to, and to me, that's that, that then I'm successful. I asked Christopher if he had any hopes and fears about this time we're living in, both for himself and for our world. I think my hope is that we would help loosen the grip of technology on our lives. We would fight for community differently and make it more of a priority, whatever community looks like for you, whether that be uh, a faith community or whether that be... Uh, your elderly neighbor down the street, that it would shift our priorities kind of moving forward. My fear is that it's not going to end. <laughs> and out of that, uh, in some sense, like that I won't be able to get back to doing what I love to do. I think that's a valid fear. I also fear for what it will, the world will be like for my son. Um, that makes me emotional to think about and just the world that he will, the world that we are in and the world that he will live in, um, as he grows and matures and, uh, what school will look like, what church will look like, what friendships will look like. I, I've, yeah, I feel a little less sure of that right now. There was a point not too many years ago when Christopher thought seriously about ending his music career. I released my 10th album, my 20th year of doing music for a living, and I thought I was done and was okay with that thought. Felt like I had a good run, and the album I had just made was really reflective of 
my songs and my heart and the intimacy of what I do live. And, and, uh, and then this song came along called do not be afraid. And, and I was studying kind of prepping for the Advent season at my church and, and, uh, was reading the, the story of Jesus's birth and was struck by the, the interaction of, uh, God with Mary and the way that he called her, the favored one. And he said, do not be afraid. And he told her the news and she freaked out accordingly. And then her response was very open-handedly. If that is your will, then so it be. And so I just struck by that and, and how this young woman received that news, but also just the idea of being still and, and receiving and, and, uh, that most of our days are not filled with that. What we really need to do, and especially now in this season, is just stop, be still, and rest, and to not be afraid, um, which is really challenging for the culture and the media uh, onslaught that we have all day long to hold that. And I have no doubt that there's a reason that all throughout Scripture it says do not be afraid from the Old Testament all the way to the end of the New. It's repeated, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, even for the people that were closest to walking with Jesus when he walked this earth. He had to remind them so many times. <laughs> and then he had a funny little gift of giving me a song called Do Not Be Afraid, uh, that kind of reignited a whole album and then another album came after that. So I'm, I'm kind of hopefully expectant for what is going to come next, even though I have no idea what it is. So this song, it was sort of a prayer that literally was written very quickly and I started playing it and realized, which is, was beautiful. Part of the story was I realized I just wrote a song that is resonating so deeply with people that I have to write at least 10 or 11 more songs to make one more album. And so I set out on this great journey of writing songs that were all about pushing back on fear and the importance of community and all of the things that we find ourselves sort of wrestling in this season, I think in particular. So this, the song came along and, and I realized, nope, I'm not done yet. <laughs> I'm not done. I got to record. And I've literally every show since then I've played that song. I asked Christopher if he'd play that song for us now. Here it is. you carry there is no reason to do it alone do not be afraid be still just for a moment Spinning without you Breathe deep And hear your heartbeat 
Cause this is the place where all becomes new Do not be afraid Do not be afraid Silent wonder And hear love call you by name Do not be afraid Do not be afraid Do not be My conversation with Christopher left me feeling hopeful, but it also challenged me. 20 years into my writing career, I'm only just learning to accept that I might be coming back around to the place I started, something Christopher learned to accept a long time ago. When I was writing novels, I'd been able to keep my faith and creativity mostly separate. But this project has changed things. The thing about doing a daily podcast is that you don't have time to sit with things long enough to let them sift into different categories. There's a lot of trusting the process, of just showing up every day and being surprised by what comes out. There was a point very early on when I realized I had to decide. Was I going to be honest about who I am, including my faith, or was I going to hide? Was I going to be brave or afraid. And so I've tried not to be afraid. I've hoped that the things I've shared, even things about my faith, could resonate across our differences. And it's still hard 
to share something so deep and tender in myself. But also, it feels like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. My daily sanity to you today is the one that Christopher gave to me. It's the permission to be authentically yourself, even if you are afraid. Maybe that means doing something you felt for a long time that you needed to do, but that you've been avoiding. Maybe it's as small and simple as putting away your phone. Maybe it's sitting quietly as you listen to a song. Maybe it's looking at what you're carrying and emptying your hands. I don't know what the future holds. Like Christopher, I don't know if I'll come through this time able to make a living doing the thing I was born to do. But I'm here now. And every day, there are chances to reach out to others, to be still, to not be afraid. There are daily gifts that we can give to ourselves and to each other. And maybe that's enough. If you found today's episode meaningful, I hope you'll share it with a friend and subscribe wherever you listen. If you listen on iTunes, rating and reviewing this podcast helps others find it too. As always, you can find more information about today's episode in my show notes at laurajoycedavis.com. Before I go, I want to thank Imagine Mindfulness for becoming a supporter of Shelter in Place. If you're looking for a way to reduce stress, anxiety, and pain, Imagine Mindfulness is currently offering an eight-week live online mindfulness-based stress reduction program for a reduced price of just $50. MBSR is a scientifically proven, evidence-based program to reduce stress, anxiety, depression, and pain while improving awareness, clarity, and concentration. Use the promo code SHELTER when you sign up at imaginemindfulness.com to register and to support this show. The Shelter in Place music was composed by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions, and the Shelter in Place artwork was created by Sarah Edgel. I'll keep putting out episodes of Shelter in Place every weekday and Saturday, but I'll be taking Sundays off because we can all use a Sabbath. Until Monday, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis.